0: He's Pittsburgh born, and we like him that way. What an incredible Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere. This is the Adam Crowley Show. The Cinderella Boy. On 970 ESPN, and now on 106.3 FM. Today, we've made radio history. I'm broadcasting from my damn couch. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Come to think of it, your mom should just come over, knock on the door. It's four feet away from me, as is my dog. And him a cheese tease. I was washing dishes. Why? Because I'm lazy and it's cold outside, and I've been snowed in. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. A little warmer last night in PPG Paints Arena. Although, I thought everyone's tears were going to freeze. My God, if you didn't cry when Marc-Andre Fleury's video was going on, then you don't have a soul. You're a ginger. Marc-Andre Fleury is a great human being. And that was, to me, one of the top three greatest Penguin moments Of all time that don't happen in the playoffs. One of the best regular season moments that I've had the privilege of seeing. Crosby returning and putting up four points after the concussion debacle. That was unbelievable. Lemieux coming out of retirement. That was unbelievable. And really neither of those things had to do with the outcome. But the outcome favored the Penguins in both situations. Last night the Penguins got the win and Marc-Andre Fleury got to shed a tear or two, and he was chirping with Phil Kessel, he was chirping with Evgeny Malkin, what a sick poke check from Marc-Andre Fleury on Evgeny Malkin as he was going in for goal number 30. Malkin would eventually get his, as would Phil Kessel, but it reminded me of just how awesome it was to watch Marc-Andre Fleury, and I know it was just last year that we saw him, but you forget some of his little idiosyncrasies in some of the things that make him tick. Every time the post is hit, he rubs that bad boy down. Every time he stops getting a breakaway, he tucks junk on that guy. Marc Andre Fleury is a class act and an entertainer from the goaltender position, and we've rarely seen that in this sport or any of the other sports that deploy goaltenders. 4129222874 is the number. The Ryan Shazier moment certainly added to it. That made me tear up, too. I was a glass case of emotion last night. The best part, though, about last night was that the Penguins were putting on a clinic. Here's the thing about Vegas. They got four second lines. At least that's what Braden Holpe said a couple of weeks ago when they played the Washington Capitals. They don't really have a top line. They don't really have a fourth line. They've got a lot of lines that can tough to play against but the penguins do have a top line the penguins do have three of the best players in the national hockey league and when the penguins got going they showed vegas exactly what they're missing and that is star power vegas ain't winning the cup they're gonna be tough to beat they might get to the eastern or they pardon me western conference final but when they run into a team with legit top end talent that's gonna be the end of them 4129222874 I mentioned this yesterday on the show but watching Marc-Andre Fleury yesterday made me think about it even more. This dude got the rousing ovation that he got because he's just a decent man in an industry with not a lot of decent people. In sports there are good people, don't get me wrong, but professional athletes they don't like the media. They don't like to deal with the normals. They don't like to deal with your everyday Joe Schmo from Blonox. They don't like that. They like to deal with one another. And that's it. They're the cool kids in high school, and everyone else is sitting on the tables on the outskirts of the cafeteria. Mark andre Fleury is the guy who would go and sit down next to the theater nerd. He's the guy that the next day would go down and sit next to the band geek. He's the guy that the next day would go down and sit next to those... Dorky kid with the freckles and the glasses. That's who Marc-Andre Fleury is. Not that there's anything wrong with freckles or glasses. I'm Irish myself. Marc-Andre Fleury treated every person the way that he wants to be treated. Marc-Andre Fleury treated every person the way that they deserved to be treated. And, yeah, yesterday I made the joke. Marc-Andre didn't cure cancer. He didn't come up with a vaccine for polio. No, he didn't do those things. But you know what? He's a good guy in a world where... We don't find many of them. By the way, the Penguins, that top-end talent, how about them apples? Phil Kessel, second in the league in scoring, just one point behind Kucherov for the league lead. Evgeny Malkin is third, he's four points off the pace, and Crosby is eighth, just six points back. Historically, this is as good as it gets for Pittsburgh, and that's even with having Mario Lemieux and Yamir Yager. Consider 1995-96. The Penguins had Lemieux first in the league in scoring, Yager second, and then Ronnie Francis fourth. Peter Nedved slid in at 13th. Pretty damn good. 92-93, Lemieux at 1, Stevens at 12, Tockett at 14th, and Francis at 20th. We're talking about Hall of Famers. And I think that's what we're talking about now, too. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Phil Kessel. These Penguins are historic. That, to me signifies why you need these three players on separate lines and it tells me gmjr needs to do everything he can to capitalize on this i.e getting the third line center that can play offense with phil kessel god love riley Sheehan. he's not offensively gifted enough for me to put phil kessel on that line in perpetuity i'm too comfortable here on my couch You have to find a way to spread the talent on three lines. You have to take advantage of the historical success these Pittsburgh Penguins are having right now. And that to me means, yes, I know that there are a couple of cheap options out there. Matt Cullen, Mark Letestu. But Rutherford, go out and get the guy who could play with Kessel. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Now all that being said, right now. I probably would lo- load the top two lines up. Carter Rowney got hurt last night. Everyone and her mother is banged up. Connor Sheary's hurt. Patrick Hornquist is hurt. Tom Kuhnhockle also got hurt last night. So what Mike Sullivan did was he put Phil Kessel with Evgeny Malkin, and he put Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel back together. That's the way it should be as long as the lineup is thin. But when these guys start coming back, separate the big guns, that'll lead to more playoff success. Breaking Steelers news, Cornell Lake out as the defensive backs coach. Keith Butler deserves to keep his job as far as I'm concerned because defense has been getting better each year he's been there. Of course, you look at the Jacksonville game and many of you will point to that and say, "Yeah, I haven't gotten better. They got better. Ryan Shazier got hurt. Some things happened, and it was a disaster come playoff time. But had Shazier been healthy, they were on track to be a much better defense than they've been the last couple of seasons. So I'm giving Keith Butler at least one more year to figure it out. Carnell Lake, though, gone. Good. Joey Porter, he should be gone, too. As much as I really like both of those guys personally, some heads have to roll when you're not playing well. And if it's not going to be the defensive coordinator – Well, why not those two guys at scapegoat? Artie Burns was supposed to get better from year one to year two. He didn't. Sean Davis was supposed to get better from year one to year two. He didn't. Who do I blame for that? The secondary coach. Bud Dupree, supposed to be getting better. Joey Porter hasn't helped that. Jarvis Jones was supposed to get better. Joey Porter didn't help that. Anthony Ciccolo is just a guy. Joey Porter, not able to get more out of him. Carnell's gone. Joey should be next. I said this right after the season ended. The Steelers need to make moves. They need to get new blood on that defense, and it looks like they're going in that direction. Mike Mitchell, he should be gone too. William Gay won't be back, or shouldn't be back. The Steelers' defense should have a different feel next year, and it needs a little bit of a different feel. Art Rooney II put up his bat signal which is what he does every year around this time after the Super Bowl to discuss all things Pittsburgh with the Pittsburgh media. Here are a couple of quotes. Quote, you don't win 13 games in this league if you aren't focused, if you're not a focused group. To me, that's the barometer I use to say if we've got a problem here. Here and maybe there was a comment I would have rather not seen. End quote. He's got a point. Steelers won 13 games this year. The reason that they lost to Jacksonville, in my mind, is not because they were talking trash or looking ahead to New England. It's not because they were, quote-unquote, distracted. They lost because they turned the football over a couple of times. And the defense didn't play well. Not because it was distracted, but because they didn't play well. That being said, Mike Mitchell, a guy who talks a lot and doesn't really accomplish much, I'm okay seeing him go. Guys who talk and chirp and rile the other team all up. If they don't do anything to help the team win, they can go. The Le'Veons, the ABs, Martavis even, guys who talk and do get the job done, I'm okay with keeping them around. You don't win 13 games in this league, as Art Rooney II said, unless you've got a focus group. The Steelers battled through all that nonsense this year and won those 13 games. Although I will say one thing I would like to see the Steelers do, not play down to the competition the way that they did this year. I know they didn't lose the games, but I think that they got somewhat complacent in their talent being able to pull out these victories. And maybe that hurt in the playoffs, but I don't think that's a focus issue. I think it's a we're better than we think kind of issue. He also said, quote, we would like to have a long-term contract worked out with Le'Veon Bell That's what we hope happens this offseason, end quote. I touched on it at the end of the show yesterday. We will get to this coming up at 4.40 on today's show in about 29 minutes. I think the Steelers would be crazy not to bring Le'Veon Bell back. And I've not wavered on this in the slightest. Was I pissed when Le'Veon ran his mouth two days before the AFC Divisional round game? Hell yeah, it was stupid. It was moronic. You can't be doing that. Was I... Angry at other times throughout Le'Veon Bell's career, getting suspended? Yeah, I have been. But that guy makes Ben Roethlisberger better. And when Ben Roethlisberger's at the top of his game, the Steelers win. I've got the numbers to prove it coming up in 28 minutes on the Crowley Show. Oh yeah, and then there's this nugget coming out of the Art Rooney II media, whatever you want to call it, get-together, state of the Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger, according to Art Rooney II, wants to play beyond this contract. He's got two years left. Both sides are expected to explore an extension at some point. This is for two reasons. Number one, maybe Ben really does want to play for a while. Number two, you help spread out the cap hit so you can bring players in to help Ben Roethlisberger win another championship. We'll get to this later on in the show as well. There are mock drafts that have the Steelers taking a quarterback. F that. The Steelers need to win now. They need to do whatever they can to help Ben Roethlisberger. So, if the Steelers have a chance to draft a player who's going to come in here and help this year or next year, you draft that player. You don't draft the guy to take over one of the best players in franchise history. F that. Win now. It's the dark ages after Ben leaves. You have no idea what's going to follow. 4129222874. We got Jason Mackey coming up at 520. He was there last night, PPG Paints Arena. He saw Ryan Shazier with his own two eyes. He saw that Marc-Andre Fleury character too. Coming up next, though, we got Rob Rossi from TribLive.com. He said he wasn't going to the game last night. Is he happy he made that decision? Coming up next, it's a Crowley Show. Coming up in 20 minutes, Brian thinks I violated the agreement of the piercing bet. We'll get into that and something on local TV last night. Well, it made me go from 6 to midnight. Somebody else does that to me. Makes me feel that way. He is Rob Rossi from Trib Live. Rob, how are you today?
1: Adam, you must really be hurting for content.
0: Why, man? Because I
1: haven't on two days in a row? <laughs> hey, man, I'd join you every day if I could. Make that happen, by the way. That'd be fun. Once a week. Rob Rossi for three hours. How about we do that?
0: I'm 100% down. <laughs> I believe you're filling in for me on Friday when I'm filling I in for am. Madden in a move that makes absolutely zero <laughs> logistical sense, but I'm going to leave that one sit there. Rob? Yeah, it's it's always
1: interesting when they take the guy whose name of the show and move him to another guy's name show and bring in another guy to Yeah,
0: whatever. Well, because you're so good and I'm <laughs> not as good as Madden, that might be a day where we can actually steal some ratings. So, I'm looking forward <laughs> to that one. Uh, Rob, did last night live up to your expectations and did you wind up going? I did not go. Um,
1: uh, I, I For reasons I explained yesterday, but uh, the reason I did not go is, you know, to summarize, I didn't need to play pretend that I was part of something special with Mark and that I could also, uh, just forget how everything happened towards the end. So I chose not to. Um, uh, and, uh, watching it on TV, uh, aside from the fact that, uh, the AT&T broadcast kept showing Mark's sister and I think a lot not of people his thought wife. that was his wife, yeah. <laughs> um, I thought it was great. I'm, I thought it looked like the tribute was fantastic. It, Adam, it looked like it certainly got the mark, and him and I chatted a little bit this morning about it, and uh, I know he was taken aback by it, But uh, and then it became kind of a weird hockey game like we predicted. <laughs>
0: It did. Uh, of course, Ryan Reeves would be the first one to score. And, of right. course, Ian Cole would be the next guy to score. Steelers have this – Steelers, my God. The Penguins have yeah. this abundance of talent, and yet it's those two who are putting the puck behind Mark Andre Fleury. but two guys who don't know Mark uh, as well as some of the other guys. Would, would you think Mark would have preferred it to be that way?
1: I think he would have preferred to pitch a shutout.
0: Well, that's true. <laughs>
1: but, yeah, um, uh, I think – If you would have asked Mark if it were likely that he'd make some spectacular saves early in the game on the skill guys and had something sneak by from a guy that isn't exactly known for his offensive prowess, he probably would have laughed and said, yes, of course, that's how it would go.
0: Now, you said that you spoke to Mark Andre, or at least texted with him this morning. I'm not going to ask you to release all kinds of personal details if they are personal, but you kind of alluded to it, but his thoughts on how everything went down yesterday.
1: Oh, he just, I mean, he was just, He was taken aback. I mean, you know, as he said, in that moment, that was genuine. You know, he was tearing up. He, uh, you know, he was, he was trying to enjoy it during the pregame skate, flipping pucks and everything. And, um, but you know, in that moment when that video played, you know, he he skated behind the net to, to take a look at it. He wanted to watch that video. He wanted to sort of lose himself in that moment and he allowed himself to. And, um, you know, I, I think the safest thing to say about Mark this morning is that it lives up to his every expectation, and also he's probably very glad it's behind him.
0: Rob Rossi, Trib Live, joining me here on the Crowley Show. There's that saying that was in Batman that says, you either die the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Mark andre Fleury had been cast kind of as the scapegoat a number of times in his career, and then now he's... As being the hero, uh, that can't be very common, and uh, I don't know if it heals all the wounds for Mark Andre, but uh, I would imagine it's better this way than leaving and being a villain. Well, right. I mean, I look.
1: I, I think. Whereas maybe thirteen or fourteen months ago, it was unimaginable even for Mark. When you know, when we talked for him to. Uh, really conceive of how his time in Pittsburgh would end because he could, he always thought he'd just be here until he was done playing. I, I think now, if you were going to look at it, it, it played out as, it played out as favorably as it could, right? I mean, he, he's not playing for a, you know, a historic rival. Did he get to pick his team that he'd play for? No, but he went to an organization where He's clearly comfortable, right? And somewhere where he gets to sort of be part of a, a unique thing. And I think that's another thing when you got to consider Mark, right? It, it was, uh, he was leaving something pretty special for him. You know, an organization he'd grown up with where he had known everybody and known everything and it, it, the community. And he, he's getting to establish that all again in Las Vegas. And I think the fact that no matter how, things might have been bad at times, it certainly seems like everybody in Pittsburgh is willing to forgive that.
0: <laughs> and
1: so if he's willing to forgive it, then it all is forgiven, right? I mean, it, to me, it's it's different from the Yager thing, but the same in that I do think the day comes when Yarmir Yager comes back to Pittsburgh, Adam, and has his number retired, and and it's all like everything's forgiven, right? And there aren't a lot of guys who transcended the – the atmosphere so much that they can have that happen. And, you know, I thought Steve Mears last night in the broadcast, you know, said it really well about Mark. He's one of the more beloved figures in Penguins history. It's also one of the more entertaining ones. And I think that's a lot of it too, right? Like Mark, Mark Andre, I think when we look back, we'll think of the smiling and the acrobatic saves and the, you know, the sort of the, the way he played the position. It was almost like, that was the way the Penguins needed a goaltender to play, not like robotic and stiff, but with a little bit of energy and pizzazz.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I've often thought of Ben Roethlisberger that way from a quarterback standpoint for the Steelers. He's not a guy who's going to just drop back and dink and dunk you to death. He's going to take a hit, throw a guy off him, punch him in the groin, shrug another guy off, and then throw an incompletion 30 yards down the field. I think that's a kind of the way a Steelers quarterback needs to play. He's tough. Uh, he plays not like a quarterback, but like a quote unquote football player. And the Penguins, man, they've got all kind of star power, and they score, and they've got pizzazz, and they've got cachet. And you're right, Mark Andre Fleury does possess all those things. And man, it started from the beginning too, did it not? In that first game oh. against Los Angeles, flailing those pads around. From that second on, he announced himself as being an entertainer here in Pittsburgh.
1: Right. I mean, Mark was. I, it's easy to forget now how bleak it was at that time Man. because, you know, when they drafted him in, what, 2003, you know, they had, they had sold off Yager, They would gotten rid of guys like Kovalov and that. I mean, this was – there wasn't a lot to watch. There was Mario with, like, one working hip and then a bunch of guys that they were trying to sell us. And, you know, even early on, they kept putting Mark up and down between the minors and uh, – or actually back then his uh, junior team and some of that was for financial reasons. Right. And, uh, you know, there was a full season before the lockout where the only thing the Penguins had to offer us was Mark andre Fleury. Ask Ed Olchek about it. You know, <laughs> he'll tell you, like, I probably would have kept my job if I'd have been able to have Flurry that whole year because coming out of the lockout, he'd have been had a whole season under his belt. Um, you know, Mark, <laughs> look, and I think the best I can say about Mark is this. I, I think there are, will one day be four other numbers hanging from the rafters other than Mario Um, and, and, you know, and and Michel Briere, different reason they're a number. But I think those four are going to be the other three greatest players in the history of the franchise, Yager, Malkin, and Crosby, and and I think they will put Marc-Andre Fleury's up there.
0: The thing that these guys all have in common is that they were all able to pull the Penguins out of dark eras. Uh, Obviously, Lemieux and and Yager, what they did – who had a bigger contribution, do you think, to the franchise? Not that there's a right or wrong answer here, but in your opinion, Mark andre Fleury or Yarmir Yager?
1: Oh, that's a tough one. That's a really good question, Adam. Uh, I always will say this. There, there was – it's easy to forget now how important Yarmir Yager was to that franchise just staying financially afloat. At the end of the 90s, he was the singular reason they would make the playoffs – and they needed every penny they could get back then. Yeah. Uh I don't think we can discount that with Yarmir. I don't I don't think we should. Uh, you know, I I've, I've said it Adam the, the game 6 against New Jersey when he tied and then won the game in overtime I believe in 99. I, I I think it's the single most important performance the Penguins have ever had because I don't think there are a Pittsburgh Penguins they didn't have the, they didn't have the money. They needed that next round. Um that said, I think when you talk about the historic impact of the Pittsburgh Penguins, it's obviously Mario, Sid, Yager, and I mean, I don't know if Flurry's not even tied for fourth with Malkin. I think they might go hand in hand. Um, Flurry's an enormous figure because he was what they had not had since Barasso and what they've rarely had here, a, a franchise goalie that they could count on for over a decade, and they didn't have to worry about that position. And that was a luxury for whoever was the coach or the general manager.
0: Well, look at the Flyers. Uh, they've had some really good teams. Right. And my God, it's just a revolving door at Goaltender. I think Penguins fans, 10 years from now, are going to realize what it's like to live. Like other NHL fans, my buddy and I were texting about that today. He's a Rangers fan, and he's all pissed because they're going to have to sell everyone off. And I think luck had a lot to do with why they never wound up raising the Stanley Cup uh, with Henrik Lundqvist. But that's kind of the way things go. Uh, you need a bounce here and there, even when you've got the stars that the Penguins do. But man, life after Crosby and Malkin, and uh, obviously Flurry, suck these. Last few years up, Pittsburgh. Make sure you hang out to it. And and even regular season, right? I mean, watch all the games in the regular season. Enjoy every win. Enjoy the talent. Enjoy the spectacle that the Pittsburgh Penguins are. Well, think about this.
1: Um, Marc-Andre Fleury is most likely going to be one of three goalies ever to have 500 regular season wins, okay? And almost everybody's going to associate him with what work he did in Pittsburgh. And if you don't think having a guy that you can count on to play in 55 games and give you 35 wins a year for 10 years is a luxury, just think about this, right? As great as Matt Murray is, right, he's going to have to wait until next season to even have a chance to accomplish that once. Right. And that's taking nothing away from Matt. It's just that at a very young age, Mark andre Fleury was able to be the go-to goalie. He had some ups and downs. It wasn't all great, but he was the go-to goalie. And, again, you asked about importance. Here's what we do know, Adam. If Marc-Andre Fleury a year ago doesn't tell the Penguins he'll alter his contract and be exposed to Vegas, they don't win the Stanley Cup again nope. last year because they don't have him on that team to turn to when uh Matt Murray's injured. And they definitely do not get past round two. They might not have gotten
0: past round one without Marc Andre Fleury. They would have been down one nothing in that first series without Marc Andre yeah. Fleury. Hell, maybe two nothing uh, with the way that right. Columbus came out those first couple of games. Uh Rob, what's and this is a difficult question, but hey, you're Rob Rossi from the Trib, so why not lob up some difficult questions? What's more impressive to you, the fact that he did what you just said, which is last year say, you know what, I'll waive it, and then I'll expose myself to the expansion draft, or the fact that being yanked around up and down early in his career didn't ruin him mentally because that could have easily happened. And we see it in the in Major League Baseball all the time. Uh, going down to the minors, coming back up, going down, coming back up. That can mess with guys' heads.
1: Right. I think in a way, though, the best thing that ever happened to Mark Andre Fleury is Michelle Terry. Because when Michelle finally got Mark, Michelle made it about results, not about finances, right? Mark had been yanked around, um, because of financial reasons, right? And then when Michelle became the head coach in Pittsburgh, you know, he made it very clear. I have a certain expectation for the way I want you to perform. And if you don't perform like that, you won't be the goalie, but it gave Mark a tangible thing to chase. Right? It wasn't this I can play well and still have not played playing. And I think in a way that prepared Mark to sort of handle anything because Michelle was very demanding. You no, know, Mark. They. I remember a game where they had like a stretch where they had like points and I don't know what it was, thirteen or fourteen consecutive games, and they played an afternoon game on Long Island, and, and Mark gave up like four goals and like or three goals and they yanked him <laughs> and and he didn't start the next game and it was like whoa but Michelle was you know I think in his own way he was preparing Mark for what life is like to become that franchise goalie so I think having to overcome that early in his career was was more impressive I don't want to discredit what he did last year but at the same time that also gave him some control right
0: yeah, you know, no He was able
1: to sort of go, look, now I know it's going to end and I know basically where I'm going
0: to go. Right. I'm going to play hockey here, and right. that's what it's going to be about. Uh, and that's going to drive how much more hockey I get to play here, not the finances. Uh, last couple of right. things here for Rob Rossi. Uh, it's hard to argue with the results, obviously. But I still think it was pretty unfair, Mike Sullivan, last year to yank Marc-Andre Fleury. I get why he yanked him in the game. I would have gone back to him, though.
1: I would have, two. I maintain they would have won the Stanley Cup last year with Mark.
0: Absolutely. Just Agreed. as they
1: did with, with Matt. Uh, I think Matt was incredible in the latter stages of the Stanley Cup final. I don't think people give him enough credit for how well he played in games four, five and six. Um, that said, my, my read on it. Now, look, Mike Sullivan never told me this. But my read on it then is my read on it now he felt like that series against Ottawa was totally being played on terms of the Ottawa Senators after three games. And I think he felt like the only way I can get this team's attention is to make the goaltending switch. And I think he did feel like he had to do it then because if they went down 3-1, to I don't think he felt like they were coming back. And I think he felt like this is, the, this is the card I have to play. Even if it's not the fairest of cards, this is the one I have to play. Because what else were you going to do with that? What lineup change was going to get everybody's yeah. attention? Um, I know a lot of people think he had something against Mark. I don't think he did. I think he's always been a big believer in Matt Murray. But I think he felt like, I don't have a game to play with here. They were going to go down 2-1 at the end of that, you know, those first four goals in Ottawa in game three. And I think he felt like, I have to play this card and I have to, you know, at the very least get Matt Murray positioned to be in this. Let's not forget, too, for as much as we talk about Mike Sullivan and that move, it was two years, you know, two years before, the year before when he pulled Matt Murray from the series against Tampa. That's and true. gave Mark a chance to, to win himself. I think if Mark wins that game five, he's the starter uh, in game six. Um, you know, he didn't. So, I, you know, I wasn't as harsh on Mike Sullivan as a lot of people were, though I do think it necessarily wasn't fair.
0: Rob, really good stuff, man. Again, I wanted you to bookend that game yesterday. And you delivered. You always deliver. And you'll be delivering again on Friday from the Carson City Saloon. Really appreciate it, buddy. Thanks a lot. All right. I'll just call you Mark. <laughs> See you, Rob. See you, Adam. Damn it, I messed up. Coming up next, I can't believe people are talking about this. I just can't believe they're talking about it. I'll tell you what I'm talking about and how I haven't followed through in with this bet in the eyes of Brian LaMartina. And a piece of audio that has been dropped on my plate. It's the Crowley Show. Got some big-time audio coming up here at the end of the segment. I can't believe it happened. It goes all the way back to my morning show days, and I'm very happy it did happen. We'll explain more. Also, Brian thinks I violated the bet. You did. I did not violate the bet. We'll get into that coming up in a little bit. But here's the thing that I can't believe anybody's effing discussing right now. People who think that they're smart are discussing this right now, and... Makes me reconsider whether or not these people are smart. Just because the Pats and the Eagles don't have expensive running backs does not mean that the Steelers need to let Le'Veon Bell walk. Give me an effing break. We're really going to talk about the fact that Philadelphia has stable of backs and because of that, Pittsburgh doesn't need to have the best back Does this mean that if you win the World Series with a bunch of singles hitters, you shouldn't sign a guy who's got pop? You can win the NBA title with post-up big men, but if a great shooter's on the market, you don't sign that guy? You win with defense and goaltending and hockey, but you don't sign a great goal scorer when he's out there on the market? There are a lot of ways to win in sports. Just because the Eagles and the Patriots didn't pay a running back does not mean that the Steelers should follow their route. When the Steelers were 4-5 and five two years ago, they gave the ball to Bell down the stretch. He averaged 147 yards a game. Steelers stunk before that. Steelers didn't have an identity. The Steelers did not know who they were. On the offensive side, they were struggling. They were a bad football team, one with Super Bowl aspirations that was on the outside of the playoffs looking in past the midway point of the season. Who'd they turn to? Ben Roethlisberger? Did they turn to Antonio Brown? Were they hoping that the defense would win games? No. They gave the ball to Le'Veon Bell and allowed him to average 147 yards a game. That son bitch saved the season two years Be ago. Be real, son. Last year, the Steelers were 3-2. and two. Again, no offensive identity. Did not know what they were doing on that side of the ball. Struggling. The thought of 30 points a game was so far out of people's minds that it's almost as if it was never discussed in the preseason. But after that 3-2 and two start, who did the Steelers turn to? What was their game plan? Who did they become? What kind of team did they become? They became a team that flowed through Le'Veon Bell. 126 yards a game for 26. When Ben Roethlisberger was early on this year terrible, he was a turnover machine. He was a turnover machine. <laughs> real, real, Seth. When the Steelers were 3-2, and two, Ben Roethlisberger was coming off of a five-interception game. Le'Veon Bell barely touched the football in that game. You go back a couple of years ago, when the Steelers were 4-5, and five, Ben Roethlisberger was a turnover machine, not playing at the top of his game. When Ben's at his best, it's because Bell has been a great option in the running game and in the passing game. Ben Roethlisberger's often struggled in his career, been at his worst when he's had to be the hero, when he's had to play hero. That's not to say Ben can't be that guy. Ben's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger is great, and the Steelers are lucky to have found him. And the Browns are still, to this day, incredibly stupid for not having taken Ben Roethlisberger. But sometimes Ben wants to play hero when Ben does not have to play hero. He has a little bit of Brett Favre in him. No one else is making a play. I'm going to make that play. Well, when Le'Veon Bell is at his best, Ben doesn't need to play hero. Because on a third and 17, you don't need to throw the ball 25 yards and force it into coverage. When you've got Le'Veon Bell, you dump that ball off, and Le'Veon's got an opportunity to make a big play. I bring this up all the time. You go back a couple of years... Steelers were sitting there at 3-3. Three and three. Houston was coming to town. They did not have an offensive identity. Martavis Bryant was playing in his first game. That helped open things up for Pittsburgh. But it was a play made by 26 that made me believe that this team had what it took to make the playoffs. Ben Roethlisberger, in the shadow of his own goal line, instead of heaving the ball down the field, dumped the ball off to Le'Veon Bell, who took it five yards and then took it 50 The Steelers were no longer in the shadow of their own goal line. They quickly scored. Then they scored again. And it was two minutes where the Steelers put up 20 points. All set in motion by Le'Veon Bell. Because Ben Roethlisberger didn't have to force the ball into coverage. Ben Roethlisberger didn't have to play hero. That's when Ben Roethlisberger is at his best. When Le'Veon Bell is the guy that the offense flows through. The Steelers should absolutely sign Le'Veon Bell to an extension. The team is better when he's playing well. Just look at the numbers. Those numbers are facts. Can the Steelers get that production from a running back by committee approach? I'm not sure. That's the argument. Well, if you get three running backs that are going to be cheap, then maybe together they can equal the production of one Le'Veon Bell. No. Can that happen? I'm not sure. You can say that. But you're not sure either. And as a GM, I would much rather be in the sure thing business than the let's-see-if-we-can-cobble-this-together business. I want to know that I'm going to be able to get that production. Because here's the reality. Ben hasn't been good the last few years unless Bell was playing at the top of his game. Maybe the Steelers could get the same production from a stable of backs. But maybe is the key word. Maybe is not how Kevin Colbert wants to be a general manager. The Steelers have until Ben Roethlisberger retires to have a legitimate shot at the Super Bowl... After Ben, you might as well go to the Dark Ages because we have no idea what will become of the team at that point. There's a big maybe after Ben leaves. The Steelers need to do what they can to win with Ben right now. Maybe, and what ifs, ain't going to cut it. There's this notion that the Steelers can use that money to help out on the defensive side, but the Steelers aren't going to spend big money on that side of the ball in free agency, it's just not going to happen. They tried last year with Donta Hightower, but they're unwilling to outbid teams. Free agency, man, is a dangerous pool to swim in. And I've heard Deion Lewis's name thrown around a bunch. And this is not coming from me because I don't like Pitt. This is coming from me because I understand football better than most people. Deion Lewis ain't going to be a bargain next year. He might be a bargain with the Patriots right now, but that son bitch just won a Super Bowl last year and helped the Patriots get there this year. People love winners. That guy ain't coming on the cheap. You have to overpay for that guy. You have to overpay for a guy in free agency. Or you find a guy like Mike Mitchell, who's a second-tier free agent, and I think a lot of people would argue that the Steelers overpaid for him now that we've seen what he's done. That's the route the Steelers would go. So who's to say that the guy that they brought in would be that big of an upgrade? You go with what you know. Le'Veon makes Ben better. Fact. The numbers back it up. Le'Veon makes the offense go. Fact. Spend all the draft picks on the defensive side. Cut bait with Mike Mitchell. The corner situation isn't a bad one. They just need time to grow. And a rookie on the back end wouldn't be as bad as Mike Mitchell this year in all likelihood. If the Steelers showed me anything, it's that you can outscore teams to win. Don't look at it as you can win without a great running back. Look at it as you can outscore teams and win. Le'Veon helps the Steelers outscore teams, and he helps them win. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I'm on my couch in Mount Lebanon right now because I'm a lazy ass millennial, so I don't know who's on the line, but someone is, and we'll talk to them right now. Hello, caller.
1: Hey, Adam, it's Edward in Phoenix. What's up, man? So I'm not laying on the couch. I'm walking through the beautiful, wonderful weather. But anyway, regarding Le'Veon Bell, I'm wondering if a lot of the fans' reaction is because, like me, they assume that he's going to be making $16, $17, 18000000 million dollars a year if we make a full contract with him. Um, and... I think that might be a little too much to pay myself. So it I is. The Steelers won't pay that much.
0: The Steelers will not pay him that much. I imagine they'll offer what they offered him last year, but he'll be more likely and more inclined to accept it because he just made the $14 million on this side of things. He made it on the franchise tag this time. So I think he'll be willing to accept it. I think he'll be willing to take that deal. And if the Steelers are paying him $12, 13000000 million a year, I think he can get away with it. You just might have to pay him longer than you want to. Appreciate the call, Ed. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Back in the day, on the 10 to noon show, when I was starting out here on ESPN Pittsburgh, we used to try to Crowley roll, folks. Which means you call David Todd's show, and you go, you got Crowley rolled! Or you call Stan Saverin's show, and you go, we got Crowley rolled! And we kind of throw it in to breaks on different stations and try to get people to say what the bleep was that well last night on the show that richie walsh does on kdka tv someone did just that all right let's go out to joe and he's on line five out in carnegie how you doing joe hey guys uh how you doing tonight good thanks good. for calling
1: good, uh, i just wanted to say that you got crowley road
0: Okay, well, you know... That's why we've got the quick trigger. Yeah, we got we got the quick trigger. John usually does a great job back there. Um, I, I doubt that that got on. Did that get on, John? We probably got a nice shot of the city. I don't even know what the guy said.
1: It's not even funny. It, it's not even funny. Did, did that, you think, that call, he waited
0: on line that long, did, did you think he made anyone laugh at home with what he did?
1: No. Just like, what's the purpose?
0: Um, All right, well, you know what? With that call, I'm going to take a break. Maybe we'll read some tweets when we come back. Be like that? Take more phone calls. See you in a couple minutes. Don't be like that, Richie. Come on. I like Richie. I've seen him around a bunch covering stuff. He's a good dude. But, Richie, you can't take it that seriously, man. You just can't. And the reason I found this is because who tweeted this at me? Because I feel like whoever tweeted this at me is the actual culprit. Three Pete season at special ops 94 on Twitter.com. I guess that's special ops. He's not a big baseball fan. He tweeted me the video and said, really classless, Adam Crowley, attacking a true professional like this. You just lost a listener. Hashtag clown. Bro, I didn't do it. You're just sitting at home hanging out. I know. It was 10.50 at night, probably, when this happened. I'm asleep by 10.30. I watched the Penguins game. I see if I can get a little action. I take the dog out for a run, and then I go to bed. That would not be me. I would never do something like that. That is classless. In fact, except I'd like to put out a challenge to all Crowley Show listeners and bring the Crowley Roll <laughs> back, baby. Like, <laughs> it is good to that hear it again. back. I love the fact that somebody remembered it and was so bored on a Tuesday night that they thought, you know what? I'm throwing a Crowley Roll out there. Bad ass. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four is the number. Coming up next, Brian will tell you that I have reneged on this bet somehow, which I think is nonsense. And I'll tell you why Josh McDaniels is getting painted in a pretty bad light today, and he doesn't deserve it. It's a Crowley show. It's not even funny.